Ephesians 1, verses 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of, the tr of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Last Bible study, uh, we saw the redemption we have in Christ. We looked at the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice for the fullness of time. We looked at how the Lord does not withhold his grace, but he lavishes it upon us in all wisdom and insight. We looked at the mystery of his will that has been shown to us, revealed to us, that being that salvation is not only restricted to the Jews, but also extends to Gentiles. We saw how all things are united in Christ, and how every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord. That brings us to our verses for tonight. So let's get right into them. Ephesians 1, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. We've mainly been talking about us being made new in Christ. We are given a new identity and are holy and blameless before the Lord, all by the blood of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. Uh, what is left at the end of life after walking in the newness of, light, of life? It is to delight with him in heaven forever. It is eternal life. John 10, verses 28 through 30. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I, the Father, are one. 1 John 2, 17. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 5.13, I write th these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's just a few of the verses talking about what our inheritance is. Trust me, there is there's many more, as not all of them. Our inheritance is eternal life in Christ, praising his name forever, delighting in his joy. In Christ, we have obtained this inheritance. Paul loops back to how he started this doxology, the choice of the Lord. We have obtained this inheritance, having been predestined. Predestination is a choice of the Lord. 
It is the sovereign choice to save whom he saves. A choice made without partiality and with all wisdom. As the Lord is the source of all wisdom. This choice is made from before any of us were born. Before the first person breathed life, or breathed, and the Lord breathed life into him. You may think it is a stretch for the Lord to make such a choice, but Paul takes it even further here. We are predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, all things according to the counsel of his will. It's not just some things. It's not just what we want him to work. It's not just what is convenient in our eyes. It is all things. God is sovereign over all of it, not just some of it, all of it. All of it is according to the counsel of his will. We saw an example of this uh, that I quoted last week, uh, John 8, 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The only explanation for why no one arrests Christ while he is teaching in the temple is because his hour had not yet come. There is no more justification needed than that. The sovereignty of the Lord extends over all of his creation, not just some of it, all of his creation. The Lord is sovereign over all and works all things according to his will. He is sovereign over all things and works all things according to the counsel of his will, which is full of all wisdom and insight. We can't forget that this is also a doxology. This ought to prompt us to praise the Lord. We see that we have an inheritance in him, and that we are predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Praise the Lord for not only making us new so that we can follow him and his word on this earth, but he has also given us an inheritance for eternal life with him. It's not just on this earth and then done. It's continuing in joy and praise of him. Praise the Lord that all things work to the counsel of his will. Praise the Lord that he is sovereign over all of his creation, not just some of it. We have to be pointed to the glory of the Lord in his sovereignty overall. Praise the Lord that his will is formed with all wisdom and insight. Praise the Lord that he is the source of wisdom. Praise the Lord that all things are done according to his purpose and his will. We've been predestined to be saved, to be justified in Christ, and it extends further that we have an inheritance, eternal life with Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 12. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Paul is going to address two groups in these last few verses of the doxology. Firstly, he addresses the Jews, those who were the first to hope in Christ. Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it has the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul right now is speaking in regards to those who were first to hope in Christ. He sets this up in context of the last verse. We have received an inheritance and have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all, thing according to the, all things according to the counsel of his will, so that 
we are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The Jews are predestined to receive an inheritance according to his will, and this is done for the praise of his glory. This is not done to show how cool the Jewish people are, or to give an ego boost. This isn't done to make them feel superior, or grow confident, or boastful in their actions. We'll see later in Ephesians 2, 8-9 through 9, that it's not something that you can really come to a conclusion of boastfulness in salvation. Ephesians 2, 8-9 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Our inheritance is not one that causes us to boast. Our salvation is not a boastful salvation. So the Lord enacting all things according to his will is not done so to bolster our egos. Rather, look at the first who were to hope in Christ, the Jews. Their salvation and their inheritance is given to the praise of his glory. Salvation and inheritance directly points to the glory of God. Salvation and inheritance displays God's sovereignty over all. It displays also the perfection of Christ as well as the will of God. It displays all of these things in both salvation and inheritance that point to his glory. We outlined in the past just how precious salvation is. We are made new from utter brokenness. We were made holy and blameless before the Lord when before we were anything but holy and blameless. Every aspect of salvation points to the glory of God. Everything from the choice before the foundation of the earth, everything acting according to his sovereign will, the perfect and holy life of Christ and his resurrection, us being lavished with grace, dead hearts being brought back to life, any other aspect you could possibly consider will all point to the glory of God. They will all point to his glory. We can see it go even further. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The outflow that would come out of being made new, of us being redeemed, of us walking in the newness of life, it points to the glory and praise of God. Living the Christian life and producing righteous fruits ought not point us to ourselves, to give ourselves an ego boost or to take all glory from it and say that I have done this solely upon my own volition, but it ought to continue to the point to the one who has made us anew and continues to sanctify us. It might be the temptation for those who are first made new in Christ to point to their works and think that they deserve the praise, that it ought not go to the Lord, that it ought to go to them. Look at me, I've been here longer. I've done these things. Can't you see how cool and how awesome I am? The reality is, all of salvation ought to point to the glory of God, as well as all of sanctification ought to, ploy, ought to point to the glory of God. Both aspects should, because both aspects are done so 
by the Lord, which are we're going to see more the second when we directly talk about the Holy Spirit in the verses to come. All of it points to his glory. Salvation, sanctification, glorification, all of it points to his glory. No matter what. Praise the Lord and salvation and sanctification. We may point to his glory. Praise him in so doing. Praise the Lord that those who were the first to hope in Christ might be able to praise and display his glory in their actions. Ephesians 1 verse 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, Paul moves on to the second group of people, the Gentiles. Gentiles, as well, can receive salvation. It's given to us through the gospel. We hear the word of truth, gospel of salvation. What is the gospel of salvation? I will give a quick synopsis of it. The gospel of salvation is the good news that despite our broken, sinful nature, which falls short of the standard of perfection, we're able to receive salvation and walk in the newness of life by the death, burial, and resurrection of the perfect man, Christ Jesus, who has descended from heaven and put on flesh in order to provide salvation to us. We receive salvation as a gift in his sacrifice and is given to us by grace through faith and belief that he is Lord over all and we ought to repent and follow his word which is sufficient to equip us for every good work. That definition is all one sentence. Believe it or not. But I think it accurately describes the salvation that we are given. It's not through our own works. It is through Christ. What happens when we believe in Christ, when we believe he is Lord over all, when we repent and believe in the gospel? What happens next? You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now marks us as new creations. The Holy Spirit bears witness to our authenticity as Christians. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit and now bear the insignia of the Lord. We are verified to be new creations in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit acts as a guarantee of our inheritance. Those who have the Spirit dwelling in them are guaranteed to have eternal life in Christ. This is a perfect guarantee. There is no mistake in whom the Holy Spirit dwells in. We'll never fall out of warranty to claim our inheritance. It is a guarantee of inheritance, eternal life in Christ. This is promised just like the choice of the Lord and just like the redemption we have in Christ to be done according to his perfect and holy will. All these things are done according to the perfect and holy will of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will not reside in a dead heart. The Holy Spirit will not be a guarantee 
for those who are not saved in Christ. Nor will the Holy Spirit fail to be a guarantee of inheritance for those who are made new in Christ. It is all done so in perfect unity, with no mistakes or miscalculations. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 21-22 It is God who establishes us with you in Christ, has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us, given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit seals the believer, guarantees them to be a recipient of the inheritance. This is also like all other things covered in this doxology, this introduction, to be done to the praise of his glory. Just as the Jews were saved and sealed to the glory and praise of God, so are the Gentiles. The Gentiles are sealed with the Holy Spirit and are made new, brought into the family of God. All of this is done to, pr- to the praise of his glory. We have encompassed every aspect of life in being done to the praise of the glory of God. For the foundations of the earth we are chosen to be made new from our sinful and dead hearts to show his glory. We are made new to display the glory of God. Our salvation we are lavished with his glorious grace. It is by Christ's work that we are saved, not our own, and we ought to praise the Lord for that. Now we have what comes after renewal. We have our guarantee. It is by the Holy Spirit that we are preserved. It is by the Holy Spirit that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit that we have our guarantee. This is done in the praise of the glory of the Lord. We are not sealed so that we are praised. We are sealed and our praise is directed to the Lord. After we saw what our inheritance is, we can see that what we gain is eternal life in Christ. In so doing, we praise the Lord forever and ever, delighting in His joy goodness. Every aspect of the Christian life ought to be pointing to the glory of God. Our salvation, our sanctification, our glorification all ought to point us in praise to the glory of God. We are made new. We walk in the newness of life. We produce fruits. We are given the most precious gifts at the start and the end of it. All of this is done to display God's glory. Praise the Lord for his salvation of both Jew and Gentile. Praise the Lord that we are made new in Him by grace through faith. Praise the Lord that we are not sealed on our own accord, but are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord that we are given a guarantee of our salvation, which points even furthermore to His glory. Praise the Lord that we may glorify Him on high forever and ever in heaven. Praise the Lord that all these things are done to the praise of his glorious and perfect grace. Now, before we conclude, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out one major thing regarding this doxology. This doxology is a wonderful display of the Trinity, their work in the believer's life. The doxology starts out with the choice of the Father. We are chosen by him before the foundations of the earth. We had predestined, he had not we, he had predestined us to be holy and blameless. We are adopted through Christ according to the purpose of his will. 
we then move on to redemption we have, that we have in Christ. Christ's sacrifice is sufficient for the fullness of time. We are made new in Christ. We walk in the newness of life by his sacrifice on the cross. All things are united in Christ. All things are given to him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Finally, we move on to the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our salvation and inheritance. The Holy Spirit resides in the believer, bears the mark of the Lord. The Holy Spirit resides in us, convicts us, and is our assurance of salvation. God the Father, from before the foundations of the earth, has predestined us according to his will that we ought to be made holy, blameless in redemption. In the redemption we have in the blood of Christ by sacrifice and resurrection as a guarantee of our authenticity, our belief in Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit who seals us and resides in us as creatures who are made new. We shall receive our inheritance, which was planned to be given to us. The whole Trinity is displayed in all of this. And all of this is done to the praise of the Lord. All of this is done to his glory. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to reread this doxology now that we're finishing it out. And uh, what I want you to do as I'm rereading this is to have two major things in mind. One, the Trinity on display in all of its glory. And the glory of God being shown and being pointed to. Like I said at the beginning, like I've been saying throughout a lot of this, this is a doxology. This is meant to point us to praise in the Lord. So read praise in mind. Think of how this points you to praise the Lord. Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit was the guarantee of our inheritance till we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. In conclusion, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. 
praise the Lord that he has chosen us in him from before the foundation of the world. Praise the Lord that he has made us holy and blameless in him. Praise the Lord that he has done so in love, has predestined us for adoption to himself through Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord that this is all done according to the purpose of his will. Praise the Lord that we have redemption in Christ. Praise the Lord that the mystery of salvation is known to us and that we as Gentiles may have salvation in Christ. Praise the Lord that Christ has been set forth as a plan for the fullness of time and all things are united in him. Praise the Lord that our inheritance is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord that we have a guarantee the Holy Spirit that he resides in us, convicting us, sanctifying us. Praise the Lord that this is all done to the praise of his glorious grace. Praise the Lord and give him glory in every single aspect of our lives. Praise the Lord. Give him glory in all things. All right. That is all I have for these verses tonight. Are there any questions before I close this in prayer? Can either raise your hand or type out a question. Okay, let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for this time that we are able to gather together and to read your word. I thank you that we're able to see uh, how we ought to be directed and praised towards you. I just pray that we'd be able to go throughout our weeks with praising glorious grace in mind, that we'd be able to point to every aspect of our lives have it point back to your praise, that we would be able to see your glory, your grace in all things. Pray that we'd be able to go throughout our week reading your word, just praying to you and praising you. Pray for all these things in your wonderful and holy